Hi, everyone. Welcome to Material Is Your Business. We generally like to give a lot of context to the show before we go into it, but with this guest and this company, it needs absolutely no introduction. It's Nike. So we're here with Eileen Lee, the materials developer for NSW Running, Global Footwear Materials, a hot new division of Nike. And let's just do it. The show starts right now. Hi, my name's Eileen Lee. I'm a materials developer for NSW Running, global footwear materials at Nike. What I love about materials, science and technology is the combination of bringing creativeness and development together and bringing those materials to life. From New York City, this is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Your hosts for this episode are Stephanie Benedetto, CEO and co-founder of Queen of Raw, Samantha Cortez, international consultant and founder of Samantha's Platform, and Rob Sanchez, business strategist and COO of Open Source Business. And now... Here are your hosts. Welcome, everyone, to Material Is Your Business. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. I'm here with Samantha Cortez. Hola. And Rob Sanchez. Hey, y'all. And we are recording on location at ThoughtWorks in New York City. We're a a very special guest who needs no introduction, but I'll introduce her anyway. It's Eileen Lee, a materials developer for NSW Running Global Footwear Materials at, that's right, Nike. So to start the show off, Eileen, we usually like to kind of go into a little bit of a thumbnail sketch, high-level background on who you are, what you do, and if you can kind of walk us through that. Sure. I'm a materials developer for NSW Running. It's the largest footwear category in Nike sportswear. Um, On a daily basis, I develop materials for the entire category. There's there's like 10 footwear developers, four material designers, six footwear designers, one cost engineer that I've met, six product line managers, two product engineers. So my day's pretty swamped. Mm-hmm. I also work a lot with Asia, um, the vendors, the material vendors in Asia. I remember, actually, the times that you were here in New York City working with Stoll. Talk to me how how that journey went from working in New York and moving all the way up there. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, nothing compares to New York. Um, New York in general and Stoll. I mean, Stoll is like the number one knitting machinery manufacturer in the world. Um, we, Stoll and Nike, they're you know, there's a partnership there. Um, Nike loved or loves Stoll so much that, you know, they started to build these relationships with a lot of the the programmers, the product developers, like myself. I was a senior product developer, project manager there, managing a lot of the um, designers collection in regards to knitwear and textiles. Uh, fully fashion or cut and sew or just swatch development so they could take those swatches to Asia to mass produce. 
quite different from the designers and working in the design world and going to the runway shows to working with the factory vendors and working in, you know, along with the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, talk to us a little bit about that experience and sense of the difference. It is definitely a different pace of life. Um, it's a lot quicker here in New York, but in Beaverton, it's it's pretty fast-paced as well. I mean, the turnaround for the category that I'm in, um, they want they want releases in the market immediately. They they want those market shares. And how many SKUs are you working on at, at one time? Um, I, I can't tell you SKUs, but I can definitely tell you models. Uh, Nike Sportswear Men's Running has the most amount of models per season. It's, I would say, 150 plus models. It's incredible. And to be able to kind of manage and monitor all that. And of course, each model, I'm sure, has unique material considerations and properties that matter. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit maybe about some of the kind of newest, hottest materials that you're working with? Of course, everyone knows the name Flyknit. You can't think Nike now without thinking Flyknit. And tell us a little bit about it. It's a three-year game plan. So we're working three years in advance. Um, we do want to become a $50 billion company by 2020. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we are constantly innovating um, and developing new materials, but a lot of our materials need to pass the testing. Like we, if it's below our test scores, we don't accept the materials. And, and what is it with those Tesco's that, that matter to Nike? Obviously, I'm sure there's sustainability considerations, there are performance considerations. Can you walk us through a little bit about what it is at the core value that matters to Nike about those materials? You know, it's really about developing materials that the consumer, you know, love and they can also, um, materials that sustain, like, the aesthetics of the shoe. So certain materials, you know, they have properties where they have like yellowing agent. So, for example, if it's on a white shoe, if you go in depth in regards to materials, if there's a yellowing agent on a certain material, the consumer won't appreciate that shoe in five years. So we need to always think ahead as well for the consumer. So you're thinking about decay or change of the the material over time as well as like the, the current moment. Um, how do you test out into the future? How do you look at... So we have an M&M lab on, on campus where we do a lot of um, in-house testing if we can't expedite it in Asia. Mm-hmm. What are the development labs that you have currently and what type of machines do they have? I mean, not saying the models or anything, but I know they have knitting machines. They have some stole. They have uh, you know other competitors. But uh, like molding for shoes? Um. I mean, we have an advanced product creation center. We have an M&M lab. I'm not too certain if I can disclose what type of machineries we have um, on campus um, because sometimes a lot of it, it's, yeah, it's hidden. <laughs> well, not many people will have access to it, only certain individuals. And that's particularly interesting where kind of Nike's model, obviously a lot of it is proprietary, but both 
proprietary to other vendors and they're using the materials or the stuff that they're developing for themselves. And I wonder if you can kind of talk a little bit about maybe that kind of a model and how they're interested in buying up the supply chain and being able to kind of innovate new that is proprietary to them and and why that matters so much in what you're doing. I don't believe they're trying to buy up the the vendors i think they want to work with the vendors so the vendors will buy you know more machinery to build our capacity because our footwear um, category has blown up like currently in asia we are over capacity for production amazing congratulations Do they have any um, any views of the future of uh, bringing some manufacturing back domestically to the U.S.? Definitely. I mean, the APCC is um, part of our manufacturing for the fly knits because it's such a hot commodity for us. It's our premium shoe. Um, yeah. For those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit more about fly knit? So fly knits uh, is is a knitted upper. It's knitted to shape on the knitting machineries that are on campus. Um, it's sustained. It's it's an amazing it's an amazing piece of material, but it is extremely expensive to produce. But it's ex- it's sustainable. I mean, there's no wastage. It's 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 knitted to shape, and and it and you can knit to a certain size for females, males, kids. Are you running? Um a custom version of the shape or are you basically just creating the same size skews you normally would and knitting knitting down into uh, the last that there's definitely custom I mean Nike's known for making custom shoes as well so it really depends on the consumer and how do you how do you get to that custom shape is it a, a one-on-one consultation is it a 3d model like how do you actually develop the last for the foot or does it not require that Oh, definitely requires the last. Yeah, um, Nike is very intricate and detailed in everything they do. Mm-hmm. They, they, they go like in regards to just creating a, a shoe model. It's like the nitty gritty details. Everything has to be perfected, and if one thing is is off, we need to change that material, or we need to have the vendor improve that testing results. And as I understand it, something that's so integral to Flyknit, aside from this precision technology and the sustainability aspect, it's that it actually improves performance as they've seen and conducted tests on. Is that right? Yes. It's, I mean, it's lightweight. What athlete doesn't want a shoe that's lightweight and and that allows them to fly (laughs) pretty much? Magic. (laughs) That is great. What type of new innovations in technology? I know you can't say anything from three years, but anything immediate that's coming out that's already anything that just always your eyes. Always. Air Force Ones. Look out for the Air Force Ones. I mean, that's our um, one of our premium basketball shoes. It's our heri- one of our heritage. It's like an OG model. So definitely a shoe model to look out for. What's new about the ones that are coming out now? Um, that I cannot disclose to you until launch date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when is that? You'll, you'll, you'll see it around the world. Be on the lookout, everyone. Well, you know what I found amazing? In the past few years, um, you've always looked at sneakers and they've always been denim. And for I would say for the past 10 years, you started to see them on the, uh, the fabric created by knitting machines. And I just find that fascinating. 
I just find how 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 the fabric is it's just a different type of texture, and you're looking at the at the shoe. It's a completely different shoe that it was like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I, I a, along that line, I do you think that was a focus of Nike and bringing a lot of the people that um that did work down here in Stoll to to Nike, or is it was was just a coincidence? I mean, I think uh, being a partner with Nike Stoll. Um, mm-hmm. They, they, they up their revenue, mm-hmm. their sneaker culture and their footwear business. It's skyrocketed. They, they are like the number one footwear company in the world, and because of the fly knits, I think they have a lot to do with um, you know where they stand in the marketplace. That's a good time for a quick break. But as a matter of housekeeping, you can find us on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Uh, You can also find full episodes at materialisyourbusiness.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We'll be back soon with Nike. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Fashion Is Your Business, another great show on Mouth Media Network. If you like the podcast you're listening to, Material Is Your Business, then I bet you're going to love Fashion Is Your Business, which intersects fashion, technology, and innovation, and also American Fashion Podcast, which Harper's Bazaar calls for the true fashion nerd at heart. Both shows and a whole bunch of other great podcasts are all available at MouthMediaNetwork.com. And when you do listen, let us know you heard about them on Material Is Your Business. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. We're back with Material Is Your Business. We have Eileen Lee here, who's a fascinating materials developer at Nike. And let's get right back into it. It's actually amazing. You are an immigrant to this nation. And yes, I, I, am. I know you're from Australia. How did you come to the country and how? I mean, the Australians are awesome. They're like overtaking New York at the moment. <laughs> Everywhere you go, you hear an Aussie accent. And yes. Australia Day was just yesterday. So happy Australia Day to us. <laughs> happy Australia. Um, so I graduated with my second degree and the U.S. and the Australians, we have a really great um, working relationship where um, any graduate within one year of graduation, they're given a J-1 visa to work in the U.S. for one year for as many employers as they like in the course of a year. And I did that and I explored what I really wanted to do in fashion in New York because it's the epicenter for fashion. Every job I took, I, you know, I wasn't passionate. I wasn't in love and, and I, you know, I kept on hustling. And two weeks before my visa was about to run out and I was about to be kicked out of um, the United States for good, Stoll approached me and I sat my first interview with um, – four people, one of them being the head of fashion and technology. I didn't know that at the time. Um, apparently he, he, he loved me from the get-go because we spoke about um, 
going to Oktoberfest in Munich and I've been to Munich twice. So I think I, I think I got the, the, the green card, <laughs> the go ahead. Um, and then the next day they asked me in again and it was with three people. Um, I think they just really enjoyed my storytelling. <laughs> and then I, I will, a couple of days later, I went in for my third interview and that's when they said, you got the job but now we need to discuss salary and pay time off. <laughs> and the rest is history. And the rest is history, exactly. And I was with Stoll for four years. Really great. Loved everything I did there. Loved the team. Loved the clients. And that's also where I met you, Samantha. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were at Stoll, uh, what were you focused on? What was kind of the, the role that you were filling there? So I was more on the client relations side, so ma mainly like more product development and project management. So every season we would work a year in advance with the design New York, like many New York-based designers or um, some LA-based designers as well um, and Canadian. Um, and basically they wanted to implement a knitwear collection within their um, – their season like for example like spring 18 um and we would develop swatches like knit swatches for them based on their designs and the types of yarns they'd like to utilize and the the gauge the gauge being the the needle size of the machine um we would work hand in hand with the the client and the programmer would be in on these meetings the tech designer so we would be um, holding the client's hand every step of the way from concept to the finished goods going into production. Um, and it's also a good way for the designers to see the process because not a lot of them come from a knitwear or textile background. A lot of them come from like a, um, a woven's mm -hmm. background. So what is your best, um, what is your favorite part, the development of the prototypes of swatches, the dealing with the clients, or the just the completion of the pieces at the end? To be quite honest, it, the whole process was my favorite. I loved every bit. I mean, working with beautiful, like, Italian yarns. I mean, I told a lot of the clients to just go purchase yarns <laughs> from Europe so we could make beautiful samples for them. <laughs> and they're like, Eileen, this yarn is is astronomical like how much is it just for a like a spool of yarn I'm like yeah but it's beautiful come on <laughs> and you get to wear the sample like at the end of the day and you know New York gets cold and they're like okay okay <laughs> but yeah I mean it was a really quick turnaround in New York it was one week for swatches to be turned around one week for first protos and coming on on board at Stoll, I actually eliminated the second proto. So it was pretty much swatch development, first proto, final sample. And then they go to market, they sell like crazy, and then they bring their POs to us and we do, we do their production in-house. So do you see that that's kind of the, the model or the trend that the industry is going in where things need to get to market faster? And if that is the case, how then can other companies compete with, say, a Nike 
while they're looking at material innovations as well as trying to learn about sustainability and, and kind of what should matter most in this speed to market, this race? The consumers, for sure. And as you're kind of looking now with an eye to the consumers, I know we talked a lot in the first segment about Nike and its innovations and sustainability, but for you personally, as we're going into all the trade shows and we just had Premier Vision and Tech's World in New York and there are a bunch coming up around the world, what do you personally look for and think matter to the consumer that you'll be looking at in the trade shows coming up? You know, I also feel like um, there's a space within materials for reusable and recyclable materials. I mean, it's just, it's the same way with fashion. You know, something from the 80s always comes back 10 years later and it's fashionable again. Like you'll find it at the vintage store. So, you know, I feel like... Um, it's the first time that's in to go into a vintage store. <laughs> and my freaky freezes are back. I'm really excited. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, I mean, Nike has many heritage models that they like to bring back as well. Uh, that started, uh, I remember getting a Christian Dior vintage like five, ten years back. <laughs> it's a, it's a, but it, it, the, just the representation of mm-hmm. something that was so vintage but just the aspect also now you could go to a store and just go to the vintage shop and buy some things, and it's, it's kind of sustainable. The other um, aspect that I was looking more in, the recyclables, as in when they take all the used materials and put them into equipment and and and, and chop them up to pieces and convert them into new sustainable fabrics. Do you do you know anything of? So we, we 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 do, do have a part of to... our business where our midsoles are uh, reusable, reusable and recycled. I'm I'm wondering a little bit about uh, what your dream is with with fabrics, like where where you kind of want to go with um, what's coming up, what's going. You talked a little bit about looking at breathability, looking at some of the the um, aspects of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fibers what do you kind of want to see coming out and where do you want people to start thinking about in the future a lot of um the vendors that we currently work with they do a lot of yardage for us so it's more cut and sew i foresee something moving towards more like we, we we call it in knitwear and textiles fully fashion so i i would like to see shoes being um, developed to shape so there's no wastage of materials because that's also costing a lot when when you cut the shoe and there's all this wastage of material where does it go to Mm -hmm. landfills so I definitely see a movement in that way I mean that's why the fly knits are so successful are you seeing that as like a 3d printed cause um like a construct of the sole, or do you think that it's going to be like a fully knit with maybe like a Kevlar material or something like that for abrasion resistance on the sole? I think more so the later, the fully knit. I haven't really seen or heard too much about 3D knitting in regards to like product development in the footwear mm-hmm. categories. Um, but definitely there's 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 a market and there's a niche for improvements in materials and it is interesting with 3d printing i know that footwear has its own unique properties and constraints uh, that traditional fashion maybe doesn't and that's why 3d printing has been a little bit kind of difficult for the footwear market to really Mm -hmm. utilize and benefit from because of those kind of limitations 
Yes, I agree. I mean, when you look at a shoe model, the the amount of materials that go onto one shoe is unbelievable. I mean, um, and all of it has to pass testing, not just one component. Every piece that that you know that puts that sh- like brings that shoe to life, you know, has to pass testing. And when one material um, doesn't pass. You know, it changes the entire aesthetic of the shoe. So, when you're thinking about that, what's what's a construction of the shoe that people may not know about or think about? I know that, like with with fabrics, you see a lot of inner linings and things like that that people may not know exist. Um, with knits, there's different knit types that people might not know, um, and different ways that you can build structure in there. What is it inside of a shoe that uh, people may not know or think about? The tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. The mud guard. Yeah. The overlay, the toe tip, you know, all all the all the parts where you know to get your foot into the shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think every part of a shoe plays an intricate role in like bringing that shoe to life and creating creating what the consumer wants. And it's also not just um, putting different types of materials together and being like, oh, here. You know, mm-hmm. it's also about researching what the consumer wants. You know, the the consumers out there are not as, they're not as technical. They are definitely looking at the aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it almost seems true now too that although they're not into the technical specifications, it's cool to be kind of techie and have a techie shoe now and to, you know, know that it, it, oh, this is my new fly knit and like, you know, it, it's kind of taken on this this new life. And so for any designers and creatives out there who are looking at entering the footwear market, I wonder if you could touch on a little bit how you begin thinking about the construction of the shoe, because you think of your customer's feet and they all have such different properties and weight mm-hmm. bearings and, and sizes. How do you standardize and, and create anything? And is there any tool out there they could use to simplify the process? Oh, there's no simplifying. It's just, uh, you know, there's a huge sneaker culture out in the world now and youth culture. Um, those are probably the two main target markets out there at the moment. Um, the sneaker heads, right? They call themselves yes. the sneaker heads. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering a little bit about how, um, how materials are come about, like how they come about into the creative process. How much of it is steered by... Uh, consumers that are looking at this and like what they want and responding to what they need and how much is sort of being pushed to the consumer from the company itself? How much is that consumer desire steered um, by the developer of the shoe? It's definitely consumer driven, um, but there are different functions at Nike and they they go in depth and they do consumer research I mean, they have all the data to back everything up um, in regards to all the different categories like performance, basketball, Jordan, NSW running, elements, core, you know, they, they, they research and they go, they don't even just go out to the US, they go to emerging markets, they go to Europe, Western Europe, Asia, um, I, don't, I haven't seen Australia on there though. But yeah. <laughs> so how does it feel to come from the country that doesn't matter when they're going out and doing the marketing? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So right now we're looking at companies like Modern Meadows and, and some of these others that um, they can actually grow leather to spec. So whatever color characteristics you want, whatever um, shape, size, texture, uh, properties, um, and they're doing it from cell growth. Um, oh. So it's actually in vitro and I mean, yeah, in vitro, not in vivo. Um, and so I'm, I'm wondering about, you're, you're talking a lot about waste and, and issues with stuff showing up in landfills. Um, what are you thinking about some of the, the, like the leather growth, more the mushroom growth, things like that, that are more about bio, uh, and degradable, um, materials that are coming out in the market that may not traditionally be put into a shoe, mm-hmm. um, or at least into a, a Nike running shoe. Are you thinking about ways to look at these new, um, materials that are starting to pop up? Definitely. Always. We're always in the market for sustainable leather. We, we work with many, many, uh, leather vendors and it's all about just showcasing their materials to us and, and providing us with that, that knowledge and the tutorial and understanding of their, of their materials. And, you know, it's not even just materials, it's like chemical polymers as well. And, and components and films and hot melts. Yeah. yeah, you guys also work, as I understand, with dyes done without water and plastic bottles yes. spun into threads and kind of starting to think mm-hmm. about ways, waste and ways to work with this, these materials in new mm-hmm. ways. Yes. In the embroidery sector, now that you're, you're coming into my world in the sense of uh, d- doing some stitching and knowing some information, how does it, uh, the relationship that you have with your vendors um, in sense of the embroidery? I mean, I'm, nothing in specific into the vendors. Yeah, I'm just thinking for my category, I haven't worked with embroidery much, only on labels. On oh, the labels? No, that would... Um, yeah, embroider we don't we we rarely didn't work. Didn't they do it in that they took it off after they put the nets on? <laughs> yeah, we don't work. I've haven't touched embroidery vendors. I've pretty much just touched a lot of um composites, like textile composites, um packet for like engineered foam packages, textiles, leathers, a lot of leathers, synthetic leathers, like I said the f- different types of films. When you're looking at these materials and working with your vendors, um, obviously they have a whole host of certifications and specs Mm -hmm. that they come to you with, but then presumably, as I understand, Nike is doing its own kind of grading and testing as well. Oh, definitely. When you're doing that testing, what is it that kind of some of the key drivers that you're looking for? Is it kind of reduced carbon footprint? Is it um, specifically performance? Or are you looking for already to have certain certifications? Um. Just so we back up a little bit, um, Nike actually has a very strict policy in regards to um, approving vendors. They have to go through a lot of um, testing to make sure that their factories are, you know, they're paying their their workers legally, not illegally, and not overworking them. So the work environments in Asia need to be Fair at a certain standard. yeah. Exactly. There's often this tension between what's possible. Uh, what materials are there, what you want, how things come together and how they're constructed. Um, so I'm wondering if you could touch a little bit on the, the tension between um, what you want to do, what's possible, what's there, and how those decisions are made. Cost engineer is, they're one of my favorite people because they keep everyone on like the they budget, <laughs> the target budget for that particular shoe and for that particular season. And 
they will tell you precisely how many dollars you need to bring that material down by. And then it is my responsibility to go to the vendor and negotiate with the, the, the team. Mm-hmm. Can we get this certain material for $2 cheaper? Yeah. Because and- it needs to meet our margin planning team's goals. There's not even the, yeah, there's so many different functions. Yeah. That go into one category. I, I can't name them all. And then how about the tension between um, material choices and kind of where you want to go and, and what's possible? So, you know, we have many, many um, seasonless palettes that we work with and work off. And we also have foundational palettes where these are like the classic materials that we've used for years and they always pass testing. Then there's the seasonless palette where it's seasonal. Um, But, you know, I think being designers, being creatives, they always want to utilize innovative and fresh and new materials for newly adopted models or new models that are about to launch for that season. Um, But, you know, every new material development goes through the same process, you know, it, it needs to pass all the testings before we even put it on a shoe. And it's always back and forth with Asia and the vendors in, in regards to improving these test results. And for you consumers out there looking to make a material choice, I know Nike has a great app called Making, which actually grades and marks all the materials that you're using out there in the common supply chain and lets you know a little bit more about the sustainability process behind them and what kind of choices you make and the impact those choices have. So on that note, we will take a really quick break and then we're back with our last portion. That's personal, fun little questions. We don't know yet what we're going to ask. It's called Remnants and we'll be right back after this on Material Is Your Business. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. As well, amplifying your presence at a conference or trade show can strengthen relationships and bring more value to your investment in being at those events. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. We're back with Material Is Your Business. We're really excited to be here with Eileen Lee, the materials developer at Nike. And it's time for... And now, it's Remnants. That's right. It's Remnants, our favorite portion where we talk about personal questions. We have absolutely no idea what we're going to ask or what order we're going to put it in. But we're going to solve that by tearing some strips of material And then we'll just pick them randomly out of a hat and see which one is the longest to go in order. 
And what kind of material should we do today? I guess it has to be maybe Nike Flyknit. Okay, so here we go. Now we're tearing it. And the first one is Rob. All right, so um, I like to go back to where people came from. And um, what I'm kind of wondering is where, um, where did the interest in putting things together come from? So if you could go back to childhood and come up with an, a story or, or a, a situation where you had to put together something to build something else, like what, what's a memory you have of kind of constructing something from scratch? I don't know about constructing something from scratch, but I definitely was brought up in the business sphere of things. I was, yeah, I mean, I was brought up by my father. Um, I was five and I don't know if it's constructing. I think I was training his staff. <laughs> <laughs> what would you call that construction? Sure. Well, yeah, yeah, so I tell mean, us about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my father taught me how to earn my own money from a very young age that money does not grow on trees. So when I was five, I would stack two milk crates together and stand behind the cash register and serve um, customers that came into, um, yeah, the business. And then from there I would train his staff and they, they would be like, how old is your daughter? And she's training us. <laughs> so, so, yeah. And I think um, – my end goal would be just to make a difference in the world um, and give back. Definitely want to do something in ph philanthropy and um, educate children. So, yeah. And with materials, I wanted to really do that with Stoll um, because I know there's there are a few orphans out here and I wanted to educate them on how to knit sweaters and, and then they could make one and then – keep themselves warm in the winter months. Okay, let's pull the next piece of fabric. And it's Samantha. Eileen, after being in New York for so many years and um, experiencing the whole movement of social life, how is it now? It's definitely a lot quieter. I feel like I'm at my Zen place always with nature. And uh, I mean, Portland is great for chasing waterfalls. I love chasing waterfalls, even though they say, don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to break the rules. My, I might do that in the material materials world. Good, I don't know. Good for you, rule breaker. We love that. <laughs> the last remnant, obviously it's me. And uh, I want to know favorite pair of sneakers to run in and favorite pair of sneakers to look cool and go out in. Favorite pair of sneakers for sure is definitely the Nike Flyknit Racers. Um, to wear and to run in. Um, lifestyle would be my Nike Flyknit tennis court shoes. What color? Black with a pop of color. <laughs> Very nice. As kind of a final thought, I wonder if you can leave our listeners with kind of something thinking back a little bit on our interview or on your personal experience, um, any, any words of wisdom? Um, you know, when it comes to the business of materials, quality over quantity every time. Very nice. And how can our listeners out there connect with you best? Um, Email or, or contact page LinkedIn. on the website? 
great. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one with my name spelled like that in the world. How do you spell <laughs> it again? I L E A N G. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you so much, Eileen Lee, for being here. That's Eileen Lee, everyone, the materials developer at Nike. And for our co host, Samantha Cortez. Adios. And Rob Sanchez. Good night, y'all. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Just do it. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.